Well, good morning, church, and good morning to those online. Um, actually, if we look at the camera that is now on, which is this one, everyone wave at that camera. Actually, no, you can't see. Great, wave at this one, sorry. Everyone wave at the back camera. Let's go right to the back. Pan out. Give everyone a wave. That's it. We hope you feel very much a part of this morning as you join us online. We are so blessed to be able to do in-house and online. Um, this morning, let's just pray quickly. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that your word is true. It's there to help us, to guide us, to encourage us, and to challenge us, Lord. And as we look at the word this morning, Lord, I just want to pray that what you've put on my heart and what you've been speaking to me about would, would echo in the hearts of us here and online, Lord, that we would be able to take something from it, apply it to our lives, and live, and live a life for you that's glorifying for you and stronger in you. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at a passage in the Bible, which is actually one of two miracles that Jesus performs in every single gospel. So one of which is the resurrection, which you would kind of hope is in every single gospel. And the other one is the one we're going to talk about today, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And so it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for various reasons, theologians and scholars think that's there, but I think it's there because food's important. Yeah, agreed. So this morning... Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Who's hungry? Right, actually, I have snacks. So who is hungry? Yeah? Please, if you've got a nut allergy, don't take a a treat. I can't guarantee they're nut-free. Have a snack. You deserve two. Okay. There you go, Lewis. Right. If you didn't get one, you can have one afterwards. Well, I, um, I used to say in my previous job that if we had a meeting, it had to evolve around food, otherwise it could have just been an email. And uh, I think church is a bit like that at times. But if it doesn't uh, involve food, tea and coffee, it could have just been a newsletter. But um, that's controversial. So um, I'm going to talk about the theme of the 5,000 and kind of give you some encouragement, hopefully, of things, four points that I have taken from reading this passage. So we're going to read through um, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark 6. And previous to this passage, the, um, the disciples have been sent out in twos, a bit like the animals on the ark, but they've been sent out in twos to do the work that God had been training them for, equipping them and teaching them about. And so they've just returned, and it says this. It says, verse, from verse 30, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, just imagine them all on a big bus, and uh, and they told him all that uh, that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped uh, from the boat, and he had compassion on them. And because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy the food for these people. 
How much bread do you have? Jesus asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported they had five loaves and bread, five loaves of bread and two fishes. Then Jesus told the disciples um, to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I wonder what it was like to be one of those disciples. Okay? If we, I often find when I'm reading scripture, just imagine you're there. Okay? So you've got 5,000 men. In, that, in, the, in the time where this was recorded, they'd have counted families. That's why it says men. So you'd have 5,000 families. So we're talking roughly between 15 and 20,000 people, which is sort of like the population of Ely, I think-ish. And we um, maybe give or take a few thousand. But, so there's, there is a big volume of people. Actually, it's thought that it's the biggest group of people that Jesus spoke to, um, actually more than the Sermon on the Mount. So there's four things I want us to look at this morning going through that passage. And uh, the four points. So the first point is, find your quiet place. Jesus encouraged rest. The disciples have been out, they've been doing the work of God, and Jesus said, let's go find somewhere to rest. Who's got hobbies here? Yeah? If, uh, <laughs> I've got several hobbies. Um, and to be honest, I enjoy my hobbies, but none of them are particularly stress-free. I have um, an old motorcycle that is not stress-free at all. None of which are particularly cheap. Okay, also an old motorcycle, not particularly cheap to keep fixing. And none are uh, particularly uh, work-free. They all create extra work. If you've got a hobby, normally it consumes three things, time, money, and effort. But resting in Jesus is the one hobby we can all have that actually replenishes those three. Maybe not instantly, but heavenly, it replenishes those three. So let's take time, first of all, to rest. As the disciples did with Jesus, taking rest with him. Secondly, have compassion. We read that the uh, disciples were so hungry, were so busy that they were hungry themselves. I'm one who gets very hangry. Um, when Rosie and I were first dating, I was at university in Norwich, and she'd come up on the train for a day. And, you know, when you're, you're young and you're dating, you do things that each other enjoy just because you love spending time with that person. I very quickly found out that Rosie loves shopping. <laughs> and I do not. So Rosie found a very quick way of uh, working in her favour that she could spend the whole day shopping by literally packing snacks in her bag like the little blue bag. And we would go through the shops in Norwich and all of us, every now and again she'd pick out a double-decker and I'd be like, oh, thanks, that would last me about three or four more shops. <laughs> and then we'd get to Primark and two double-deckers would get out because you know it's going to be a, a long trip. That's why I'm the size I am. It's because she loves shopping so much. It's, um, it's funny, actually, Megan reminded me that when our firstborn was, uh, when we were going into the hospital for our firstborn, Rosie actually packed me my own overnight bag of snacks because she knew that she wanted me on my best behaviour. But have compassion. Who knows that it's easy to have compassion for people when you're fed yourself, when you're, when you're safe, when you're maybe financially stable, maybe someone comes to you and you go, actually, I haven't got the time at the moment, come back next week. 
actually, the weather's not great. I don't really want to go for a walk and talk about everything that's going on. Let's, let's do it next week. But Jesus, um, in his time of rest, he'd also just found out that John the Baptist had been beheaded. He was hurting himself. He was human, although he was God. He was feeling that, that loss. The disciples were hungry and tired. But they found a place to rest. And then Jesus led by example and had compassion. Let's, let's, be, um, let's be invested in God. I got that water, sorry. Let's be invested in God so that we can invest in other people. The scripture says, give it and it will be given to you. So many prosperity preachers use that in the, time, in the thought process of money. And I want to kind of not dismiss all that teaching, but just say it's not about finances. God was actually talking about forgiveness at that time. So let's think about when we, when we give what God's given us, God's going to give back to us more of himself. He went from a rest to restoration. God wants us to be in the same place that when we rest, not only do we restore ourselves into, into likeness of him, but we can also enable others to be restored. As we spend time in worship and prayer and in his word, we time and time again see examples of this. I'd like to read from Ephesians 2.10. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and it says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, that restoration, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Whatever your situation, whatever position you're in, first of all, rest in Christ and find areas that you can give compassion and reflect the attributes and qualities of our Lord Jesus. Thirdly, this is an extra one. Um, there was originally three points, and then as I was uh, rewriting different bits last night, I really felt I wanted to, uh, to pop this number three in. And it's, uh, it's be honest with God, okay? The disciples never learned this. They seemed to find... Uh, excuses or reasons why to make things look a bit fairy or just lose trust in God. It says, um, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. Okay, going back to my first point. Imagine you're a disciple, okay? 20,000-ish people ahead of you and you are thinking, I am hungry. But let's be honest, that's what the disciples were thinking about, first of all, I'm hungry. And then they're thinking, actually, all these other people here that have been listening for hours and hours on end are probably also hungry. Let's go to Jesus and make it about the other people and say to them, Jesus, all these people have been listening to you all day and they are starving. The reality is the disciples probably sat there and thinking, I'm going to die if I don't eat something. So they go to Jesus and they say, look, there are all these people and they're hungry. And what does Jesus say? You feed them. All of a sudden, if they'd have gone to Jesus first of all and said, Jesus, I am starving. I wonder what his reply had been. But he, they, they, 
kind of thought, let's make it about other people so that Jesus does some work and not worry about ourselves. Be honest with God. When you're in a time of rest and uh, maybe you're feeling absolutely burdened by everything, be honest with him. Go to him and say, God, I'm struggling. It is hard work. I need more of you. Last December, Julia, when she was over, she preached about leaning on God. And I actually re-listened to it um, last night. And the, the reality that whatever you're going through, go through it with God. It's not a weakness. It's not a lack of faith. It's not uh, um, a fault to be reliant on a God when you're struggling. You know, God is God. We are human. God is there to give us the power that he's got, to give us the encouragement he's got. Not to a point where we can do it on our own, therefore we don't need to complain to God because actually we don't need him. If you're at that point, I want to say to you, you can't. Before you go any further, you can't do that. You need God by your side. The scriptures say in Psalm 55, it says, cast all your cares and burdens upon the Lord. Give it to him. And it says, and he will sustain you. Realize and acknowledge who God is when you're in times of struggle. Talking about being, being honest with God. If you've got children or nieces and nephews, or if you've ever babysat and you've put people to bed, or actually as you know, adults, we probably remember ourselves going to bed, there's a time where you're not quite tired, but your parents have had enough. <laughs> and they put you to bed, and there's that postponing, isn't there? There's like, oh, can I have one more drink? I'm starving, I have one more biscuit. Can you read one more story? And uh, the boys have got a book that mine, Nama bought them, and it's about how to pray. So when they, you know, can we have one more story? Actually, we can. We can talk about how to pray. And in the book, it talks very clearly, and I, I love it, and I want us to um, teach it to anyone who is young in their faith or young physically. And it says... Um, about having an honest conversation with God. Don't make it out to be something that's not. Because God knows. God knows your heart. God knows your situation. And God knows the answer. And the quicker you are straight with him, the quicker you will see and he will reveal himself of what and where he wants you to go. And fourthly, lastly, and this is the most important one really. Obey, see, and experience God. Verse 37. I'm going to read from there to the end and break it up a bit. But Jesus said, you feed them. I always thought in this story that Jesus was the one who fed them. And to a point, he did. But the reality is, Jesus gave it back to the disciples. I wonder how he said that. You feed him. I wonder if it was a bit, you know, a bit miffed. Like, I've just sent you away on this mission tour to do all the work. You come back raving about all the good things you've done. All of a sudden, people are hungry, which is a mundane thing. And you're coming to me as if I'm going to, you know, dismiss them all. No, you feed them. You, you do it. I've given you this training. I've given you this ability. You go do it. Jesus knew what the people needed. And he knew that the disciples had the living bread inside of them. When he said, go feed them, this double-edged sword comes in. Physically, yes, they're hungry. But spiritually, they are like a, shepherd without, uh, like a sheep without a shepherd. They are lost. They need to see the example of faith 
that you have in me so they can have it also. We need to stay focused on what we have, not what we don't have. Their reply, with what? It's a bit like, you know, every story in the Bible where it's things like, you know, when they're in the boat, Jesus, Jesus, there's a storm. He's like, why did you wake me? You know, you go feed them. They reply, with what? Um, We'd have to work months to earn enough money. Again, looking at the practical side rather than the supernatural ability of who was with them, who, who was in them. And then Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. And they came back with five loaves and two fishes. In John's gospel, it talks about that this was a young boy's lunch. He wasn't even counted in the 5,000, for it was just the men in those days that were counted. He was a minor. He was insignificant in the counting. Yet what he gave was everything that he had. And I'd like to think it wasn't stolen from him, that he gave it generously. He was like, yes, take my lunch. But imagine being him as well, going back home and, you know, your mum saying, how was your day? He said, oh, it was really good, it was really busy. How was your lunch? Well, you should have seen what happened to my docky. Them little red rolls and little bits of fish went miles. And Jesus told the disciples to um, have them sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They're not even small groups. If I had five bread rolls and two packs of tuna and asked 50 people to share it out, it'd be pushing it. Let alone 50 families, 100 families. The practicality alone was probably a frustration to the disciples. They're hungry. They're tired. They've now got to get 20,000 people into groups of 50. I mean, the logic... It's all extra work. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he blessed it. He took what was given to him by the disciples, what was given to him by a boy, and he blessed it and he gave it back to God. And he took the loaves and they didn't multiply there and then. He broke them. When do we see him breaking bread? Later on. The symbolism of, you know, all that you have that you've given to, to God, God's going to take and he's going to break it. But in breaking it, he's going to bless and bless and bless. Um, and he kept giving it to the disciples. The disciples probably got to the first person in the group and were like, okay, take a bit, a little bit, pass it around. <laughs> Go back to Jesus and they're like, More? Okay, you can have a bit more. Go back. And this is happening sort of 50, five, uh, 50 uh, 100 times over and over again. And then to a point where they've all had enough. It was multiplying in front of their eyes. This, this miracle that God, had in, um, that God had performed was for them to see, for them to experience. And they, and they had as much as they wanted. And afterwards, they picked up 12 baskets. Funny how there's 12, 12 disciples. They came hungry. They had rest. They experienced the compassion of God. They should have been honest with him from the first place. And then, in obeying him, they see and experience God in abundance. 
This bread that they took was living bread. Not in them, but they took away with them as well. An abundance for themselves. They probably felt pretty silly after a moaning that they were hungry when they've got a basket each. Not only does God meet your need, but he, give, he wants to give you more to take away. We um, are going to read a scripture in 1 Thessalonians, and it's uh, 5.24, and it says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. God is faithful. At a time of need, go to him, and he is faithful. He will give to you, he will bless you, and he will enable you. There's a, a common uh, phrase that says, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. When we follow him, when we listen to him, when we are prepared to walk in obedience with him, he will bless us, he will equip us, he will enable us. So just to recap, find that quiet place. Please rest in God. Read his word, spend time with him. It's Father's Day. He is the most loving father anyone could ever hope for. And he's here for you. He's here for me. Let's, um, we're going to finish in a bit with a song. And I want you to, if it's sort of a time where you need to find rest, use this song to rest in. Use this song to rest in. And be prepared for God to be the giver of good gifts for you to receive them. Have compassion. Look for people in your life. The mundane of feeding people was where God performed his miracle. A part of life that most of us do at least three times a day, if not more. Look for this time, those times for compassion, where you can be Jesus, where you can experience what it's like to live a life for Christ. And from your rest, see restoration. Be honest with God. Please be honest. You know, if we're not honest with God, how can we teach people to rely on him? When maybe we see our own ways of doing stuff. Maybe we want to um, pursue a miracle our way. Maybe we want to teach things our way. Be honest with him. Open your heart. Tell him what's really on it. And be ready for his reply. Because he cares. He is that loving father. He cares so much about you. And obey, see, and experience God. The disciples had a day that day. They went from being tired and thinking we're going to go for a nice little boat ride with Jesus. And maybe, you know, enjoy the sunshine. Hear some stories, get some teaching. To 20,000-ish people on the shore waiting for them. From things going from bad to worse, from hungry to hangry. In a matter of hours. To seeing the pure delight of a child bringing his packed lunch to see God work a miracle and for them to take away more than what they have ever asked for that verse in 1 Thessalonians God will make this happen for he who calls is always faithful 
but who's hungry? Physically, maybe not anymore. Hopefully, if you've had your snacks. But spiritually, who's hungry? Yeah. More hands, that's good. We need to be spiritually hungry. But ask yourself now, who's hungry? Here in your week, do you come by? Do you walk past? Do you bump into? Do you stand next to at the gate? Do you sit next to at work? Do you talk to every day when you get your paper? If people still buy papers. Who's hungry? Who needs to experience the love of God? Who needs to experience a miracle in their lives? And the truth is, you know, you might come here today and think, I'm not particularly hungry. And I'm sure there are people on that day who got fed that maybe weren't as hungry as the disciples were. But whatever happened, they got fed. And as we read, you know, as we continue reading of God's miracles, that 20,000 people-ish didn't follow him to his next talk. They didn't go to his next miracle. They didn't jump out of the villages and the towns when he next passed by. And sometimes life's like that. Sometimes life's in a way that, yes, we want to restore, we want to give, we want to feed. But the reality is they don't always come back. And as Pete prayed that prayer, I was just, I was thinking about people in my life that, you know, that we've fed physically or spiritually who maybe aren't still walking with God but when they needed food they were fed and I just want to reassure anyone who's thinking I keep feeding and people keep needing there will come a time where they have got enough food in them that they've got that basket of surplus food and they'll know what to do with it but if we don't keep feeding them they won't keep praying for people Keep talking to people. Keep having compassion for those who maybe you don't want to give compassion to. Let's pray. Let's stand, shall we? Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this time of worship that we had for the way that you meet with us when we are in your presence that your spirit is afresh and abundant and Lord I want to thank you especially for your word for how it is so available for us to read for us to listen to but that it is the living breath of God that it is not just bread that the Israelites experience that was given that, that was fell from heaven and went out of date but it is bread that we can feast on and that lives inside us that it is bread that you want to give us in abundance that actually when we go away we've got more than what we could ever ask for that we can go and we can feed others that we can go and we can invest in each other's lives and that people will know and experience who and what we are because of what we've done because you are a faithful God but Father, I pray now for that first step. For that resting in you. For that reassurance that we cannot do it on our own. Lord, I pray as we, as we sing this last song. That it would be a defining moment in people's lives. That they would acknowledge that they need to rest in a heavenly Father that knows what's best for them. Who has heavenly resources. Who has supernatural giftings 
that are free, that are ready to be poured out on us. And Lord, I pray as we receive them, even if we don't feel like we're ready, that we would exercise what you've given to us in practice. That we would be ready, that we'd be looking, that we could be the hands and feet because you are at the centre. And as a church and as a nation and as a body of Christ and a body of believers that we would see and experience you, your supernatural miracles here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done and may we be a part of your big plan. Amen.